0: Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hope this message from Good News Company blesses you. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and enjoy the message. That's so good. All right, turn yourself to Mark chapter nine. The book of Mark chapter nine and verses two. It's maybe verse three as well, but I've just got verse two. (laughs) I like that. Let me just turn my brightness up here so my eyes can see it. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. It's on the screen. It says, After six days, Jesus... Come on, this series is about Jesus. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. Uh, his, uh, His clothes became dazzling white wider than anyone in the world could bleach them. Now again, some serious uh, um, laundry, bleach detergent cosign Jesus is doing here. But the Bible says that after six days he took his, some of his crew up a high mountain where they were all alone and there he was transfigured before them. Uh, what a crazy scene right now. Who's heard of this story before, many of you? Jesus takes some disciples up a high mountain, and at the top, they see him doing something that they've never seen Jesus do before. And he almost gets this supernatural glow upon him, and he is transfigured. His clothes begin to shine like the sun. Uh, And it's a crazy moment and some other cool stuff happens. But we're just going to focus on this part right here. I titled this message tonight, Unboxing Jesus. Unboxing Jesus. And it's sort of a part two of this and that. Okay, i prepared these sermons um, sort of both together in mind. So uh, this is part two of that. Unboxing Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, be here with us We love you, we need you. Amen? Amen. You excited and awake tonight? I know I am, I'm just, the word of God's ready to speak to us. Um, In December last year, we, the Carlos clan, we moved houses. Um, Who's ever moved house before? We were moving houses and if you know me, I'm a very, I like things to be organized. I like things to be like labeled and done properly and nicely. Other people that I live with, not so much. Um, But uh, you can laugh at that, that's okay. She knows, she knows her sins. Um, I remember when I was getting ready to move, we hadn't moved in a a number of years, so I was like, we're going to make this move right. What do you got to know about me is I hate moving. Uh, My dad growing up was a removalist, and the one thing worse than moving your own house is moving somebody else's houses. Right, Toby? Toby just helped Gabe and Danny move house recently. But try doing that every second weekend with your dad. Anyway, if you're listening back to the podcast, dad, love you. It's a great time. But I hate moving houses, so I was determined to make this the most smoothest-running, well-organised house-moving procedure that I could ever do. So I started off with getting the boxes and everything, and I began to create labels, right? Um, Just like these boxes, they've got um, certain labels on them. They say, you know... um, somewhere or on the slide that I don't need to look at. Uh, there's labels on there, and I'd write a label and say, this is for the kitchen, uh, this is, you know, pairs in the kitchen. There'd be a category and then a subcategory, and then we'd go for it. And the further away we were from the moving day, the more organised I was. But the closer we got to the day of moving, right, the more disorganised things began to get. Because I hate carrying a box in and having, I hate packing, I hate Having to put things in boxes. Nothing good happens when you have to put things in boxes, right? You get fired, what do you do? What's the scene of the movie? Everyone's walking out with their little box. Your cat dies, you put it in a box. You, you know, it, it, nothing good, you when you die, guess where you're going? In a box, right? Nobody likes boxing things up. And so the closer we get to the moving day, the more disorganized my boxes get. They go from being, this box is for green pens, right? Green pens are going in this section of this box, <laughs> and uh, but then closer we get, there's a one box, and there's a frying pan, there's clothes, there's stationery, right? There is uh, toys and uh, cups, and everything's just going all in one box because you just like got to get everything and grab that grab that so it started off really good but i hate packing and i hate boxing things up but it ended up just going all things in one when we got married um i moved out of mum and dad's house and i everything i owned bar like one or two pieces of furniture everything i owned just fitted in one big box <laughs> probably like size of two of these or three of these together it was like one box that's everything i own clothes um what else did i own like nothing <laughs> There's nobody. And so that was really easy packing because I just put everything in the one box. But we hate boxing things up. But I think sometimes as Christians, we can be guilty of putting Jesus in a box, of putting some constrictions and some barriers around Jesus. And as Christians, it's too common for us to actually box Jesus up. In this passage, we're looking at Mark chapter 9. Um, we see Peter, James, and John. they knew jesus right they 'd spent some time they 'd spent nine chapters with Jesus so far, but they were about to encounter Jesus in a way that they had never encountered him before so this message isn 't just for brand new christians it 's actually for everybody, whether you 're being a Christian. For a long, long time or a little bit of time, we so often put barriers and constraints around who Jesus is and what he will do. So the disciples that already known Jesus, that spent time with him, but they were about to encounter him, not just as Jesus, but like the transfigured Jesus up on a mountain with Moses and Elijah and crazy stuff happening. They're going to see heaven open. They'd never encountered Jesus in this way before. They thought they had him sorted out. And maybe. Tonight, you feel like you've got Jesus sorted out. Remember, this is a bit of a this and that message coming through again. I don't want to be a church that puts Jesus in a box. they say, Jesus, you're going to work in this way with these parameters. And uh, I'm going to leave you in that box until I need you. Then I'm going to take you out of that box to use you. I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't want to subconsciously. We don't purposely do that. So often we subconsciously will put Jesus in a box, but we've got to every day intentionally take him out of the box, take him out of the space we've put him in, or else we'll risk um, missing him doing something amazing in our lives. Right? Peter, James and John, they could have not gone up the mountain, but they would have missed something incredible. Something incredible that happened one time. One chance. And if they had to put Jesus in a box and say he doesn't do that, they would have missed it completely. So tonight, i got four simple boxes. Four boxes that I feel like often we as Christians will put Jesus in subconsciously and tonight I want you to make the conscious decision to say I'm going to take Jesus out of this box I didn't realize I had him in this box but I'm going to take him out of that box I'm not going to leave him where he doesn't belong I'm going to place him take him out of the box in my life is that okay so it's a good one to take notes in uh, but I've got these boxes for illustration as well so the first box that we sometimes put Jesus in is none other than the church box The church box. And you say, Kieran, Jesus, church box, like, don't you think Jesus goes in the church box? But the problem with the church box is that what we do when we do that is when we put Jesus in the the space of this is where I put Jesus. He belongs in the church box of my life. We're saying, Jesus, uh, I'm limiting my Jesus day to a Sunday. I I don't want to be a Christian that limits my relationship with Jesus to, what, two hours, hour and a half of a service on a Sunday. When we do that, we're saying, Jesus, your day is on a Sunday. I don't want to just limit him to that day. Imagine if you had a friend that you only talked to or engaged with one day a week, if that. And every time you get to that time again the next week, you say, oh, what were you saying again? Oh, what were you wanting to do in my life again? Oh, I, I realise you're here now. Now I'm going to ask you for what I want to ask you. And of course, many of us, you'll be saying, of course, Kieran, I'm a Christian every day. Yeah, you are. But is Jesus stuck in the church box? Because... We're never gonna, you're never going to reach the potential. You're never going to live out your life for Jesus when every day needs to be a Jesus day. Every moment needs to be a Jesus moment. Every moment of the day, we need to take Jesus out of the church box and say, Jesus, you don't just belong in the church. You belong in my workplace, in my school, in my home, around the dinner table, when I'm putting my kids to bed. This is the place that Jesus belongs, not just in the church Box Jesus, think about this. He started his ministry uh, at the beach, not at the temple. He started his ministry on the, uh, the shores of Galilee, not in the temple. Right? We think about his most famous sermon of all time. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. He, his first sermon, his most famous sermon wasn't in a pulpit. It was on a mountainside. Not in a church somewhere. His, his core team, <laughs> Jesus' core team were not Bible college graduates. Yeah. Top of their game, pristine, ace theology class and Old Testament history. They were fishermen and tax collectors. Um, I think about uh, his most greatest miracles that he ever performed. Never happened inside the synagogue, but on the seashore or on the sea or walking on the sea or splitting the sea. He he goes beyond. He's almost like he's trying to say, don't box me in because this box, this room is very small. And if we try and limit God to what this space is, we will miss so much of what he wants to do. Every day is a Jesus day. That's what it means to be a Christian. And too often, especially today, and we're going to touch on this later, it's too easy for us just to take Jesus and put him into this time right now. So are you reading your Bible every day? Are you talking to him every day? Are you making space for him to move every day? God's been really talking to me about the flex space. We preached this message earlier this year, I think. Oh, late last year, actually, about creating a faith space for God to move. And when we limit it to Sunday, it doesn't really work like that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the message translation. Every day is a Jesus day. It says this in Romans chapter 12. It says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday. Someone say everyday. Every day. Come on, a bit more than that. Everyday. Every day. Take your everyday ordinary uh, life. You're sleeping and eating, you're going to work and walking around life. <laughs> Their lives been really boring. Their life is walking around. And you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. What's Paul saying in this scripture? He's saying, I want you to take him out of the church box and put him into your everyday box. Don't limit him to a service, but allow your life to be a service to him and say, God, I'm not just going to let this is where I start. This might be the the top up. This might be the the cherry on top when I come with my other believers. But every day is my Jesus day. You are saying, say, this is so basic. Yeah, but are you encountering him every day? Are you finding revelation every day? Are you having worship every day? It's basic, but are we doing it? I want to be the type of Christian where every day is a Jesus day. So when we take Jesus out of the church box and we say, you don't belong in here, we say every day. And, and when we do that, every day becomes an opportunity. We, we extend the opportunities for God to speak to us. Yeah. I just want God to speak to me. Okay, spend more time with him. I, I just need to hear from God. Yeah, we'll spend more time with him. Because if you're waiting on the lottery Of a Sunday service on a particular worship set, like someone said earlier, I can't remember who, it was really good. The lottery of your favourite song to come on and the favourite moment and all these things and that's when God's going to speak to me. You're, you're narrow. That's a lottery game you're playing there. But when you open it up and say, God, you can have the 168 hours a week to speak to me. I'm open, all books, all the time. You multiply the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to say, okay, I want to talk to you now and here and then, not just in that moment. And He'll do it both. He'll do it this and that. So don't just let church or Jesus just be another part of your life. Well, I go to work and I do my study and then I go shopping for the groceries and then I go to church and I, you know, and I pay my time and all this sort of stuff. Don't just let it be another part of your life. Let it become your life. Yeah. The Jesus life. The church box. Amen? Yeah. Okay? I, was, I thought I was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. The church box. Not good. We'll leave it this way. Uh, take him out of there. Box number two. Now this was a biggie. I know it's the same side. It's bigger. The convenience box. The convenience box. The convenience box is a big box, especially in our world today. The convenience box that we put Jesus into. And we say, Jesus, I will follow you when it's convenient. And the fact of the matter is, surprise, surprise, Christianity just ain't convenient It's just not convenient in today's world to be a Christian, there, there is, and especially in today's world. Um, and this is what I really believe, is that Jesus is calling us out of convenience. He wants to get out of the box that we've placed him in and say, Jesus, yes, I'll tithe. Yes, I'll serve. It. Yes, I'll be a part of this thing. Yes, I'll worship. Yes, I'll share the gospel. Yes, I'll do these things where it's convenient for me. The problem with convenience is it puts us at the center. It puts us convenient, says, I will serve you. I will do this when it works for me. And that's what that's that puts us at the center. When Jesus showed it in the universe that he created, he said, I'm going to put the sun in the center of the solar system and everything else is going to rotate around me. Jesus is the son of God and he is the center of our lives. So he doesn't bend to our schedule. He doesn't bend to our convictions and our theology. No, we change our convictions. We change our theology. We change our belief to center around him. Not him, not the convenience. Him over here. We want to be Christians that don't say, God, yeah, I'll serve you when it's nice, when it's easy for me. I want to put Jesus at the center and let him free from our convenience box. It is convenient, inconvenient to be planted in a local church. It just is. It's inconvenient to tithe. It's in, come on, can we be honest here? It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to serve. And especially how some of you guys serve. It's inconvenient. But I want to tell you, that's where growth happens. That's where the miracle happens. It's inconvenient to be part of a life group. But that's where the power happens. You know, uh, this story here, we see Jesus. He's got his three disciples. And what he actually does is he invites them into inconvenience. And he does it all the time with his disciples. Jesus would have been a very hard leader to follow because he just didn't make it easy. He just didn't make it easy for people to follow him. We were talking about this this week. It's like Jesus just makes it really hard. If I was Jesus's marketing manager, or if I was his, you know, PR man, or if I was his um, publicist, I'd be saying, "Jesus, can we make? Some, can we have a meeting? <laughs> can we make some changes to some of the the promotional material you're putting out? Because you're making it really hard. You know, the message, the one you preached a few weeks about a few weeks ago about um, oh, what was it? Uh, eating your flesh and drinking your blood." And then I know you weren't talking, you were talking about symbolism of communion and that sort of thing. But you didn't tell them that. You just, you just told them a really hard teaching and then lots of people left. I think we should try and gather more people together. And to do that, maybe you should you know, make it more convenient for people. Jesus just didn't make it convenient for his disciples. It's inconvenient to, to, to feed a crowd when you have no food. Ever tried doing that? It's inconvenient to do, uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, It would have been inconvenient for Peter and Andrew to leave his father's established um, business in order to follow Jesus. And Jesus all the time, like in our text here, he's uh, asking his disciples to follow him up a high mountain. Now, I don't know if you've ever been climbing, but if there's, if you're walking somewhere and you see a mountain and you, If there's a way around it, the convenient way is just to go around it. Why do you need to climb up a high mountain all the time? But Jesus is constantly inviting his disciples to climb up high mountains. That's inconvenient right there. Come on, can't we just do this teaching on the ground? Can't we just have an encounter with you over here? But look at this particular story, this transfiguration that we look at. Matthew has a version of it in his um, in his gospel, let's just read it in the book of Matthew, chapter 17. It says, uh, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he's transfigured before them. Uh, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. I want you to look at this. Just picture it for a second. Close your eyes, picture this. You see Jesus and his disciples, they're on the ascend. They're going up this mountain. And they get to the very top. And then at the very top, that is where a miracle, that is where they encounter him like they'd never encountered him before. I want you to get this. Watch this. It says, um, inconvenience um, at the height, at the height, at the top of the mountain, at the height of inconvenience is where the incredible things took place. At the height of your inconvenience, I believe God's saying at that place when you finally said, okay, God, this is actually not about me. And I want to do something that is inconvenient for me. I want to bless that neighbor when it's inconvenient. I want to share the gospel at a less than convenient time. I I, I want to do this thing even if it's inconvenient. And it's at the heart of inconvenience that the most incredible things take place. So tonight for your life, whatever it is, never ignore Jesus. When he's trying to take you somewhere that he never normally takes you. Never, never, never ignore him. And you say, well, Jesus, you don't normally take me up high mountains. So that's probably not you. Don't ignore Jesus when he's prompting you to do something that you don't normally do. Because it's in that place. If you, if you, if you um, reject that, you say, man... Uh, that's inconvenient for me. You wouldn't normally ask me to do this. Jesus would always ask them to do things that they wouldn't normally do. And it's in that place that the most amazing things, he wants to um, show himself to you, to reveal himself to you in brand new ways. And that often happens when we go places that he doesn't normally take us. And I want to be the type of Christian that says, God, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, I'm not going to let the inconvenience stop me. In fact, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to lean into the inconvenience. I'm going to lean into this moment when I don't feel like raising my hands. When I've had a crappy week, I want to, in that moment, when I don't feel like it, they're the moments you need the most to obey God. When you don't feel like it. In those places is where you see God the most. Take Him out of that inconvenience box. So we've got the church box, the convenience box. Next up, this is another one. We put Jesus inside the crisis box. The crisis box. I'll get the keys to again. Thanks, Eloina. We're matching tonight. Yes, by the way, Bethany and I and Eloina are all matching. <laughs> we put Jesus inside the crisis box all the time. We put Jesus in this box when we turn to him, right? Only when things are going wrong. Only... When things are falling apart, only when we have nowhere else to turn. If we only turn to Jesus in those moments, you've got Jesus in your emergency box. You know, preppers, doomsday preppers, they're these guys and girls who like have bug out bags and things like that. And they're saying, you know, when the world ends and when the 4G towers get me and all of this sort of stuff, I'm going to have a bag that I can get out. And, and we just put essential things in there. Don't let Jesus be in that bag. That when everything's falling apart, then I'm going to go. See, oftentimes, too often, we worry about everything and pray about nothing. When Jesus tells us to pray about everything and worry about nothing. I know I'm guilty all the time of worrying about this and worrying about that. If you worry about it more than you pray about it, then you're doing it wrong. Because if you pray about it, you'll stop worrying about it. I don't want to just keep Jesus in the box that says, God, I'm just going to turn to you when my life is falling apart or, or when I go through a, a loss of a job or emotionally challenging situation. We go to the crisis box in an emergency, hoping we will find what we need to make it through the storm. Here's the twist with this box is that Jesus is here. He is in the crisis. He, he, he can be found there. That's his amazing grace. But I want to remind you, he is in the crisis and the calm. He is there when things are going terribly wrong and when things are going absolutely great. But we often only remember or recognize him when things are going wrong and we forget about him when things are going right. Psalm 23 puts it like this. Uh, you're with me um, by the, the still waters, the green pastures and the still waters. That's nice. Green pastures, a bit of still water. You you lead me there, and also through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah, He will be with you in that place yeah. and this place. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't just keep Jesus in the in the crisis box and just go to Him when all things when hell, all hell is breaking loose. We got to remember that God, you are with me. Like praise Him in the good times, yes, yes. thank Him in the good moments, praise Him when you do have enough bills, not just when you have something you can't pay. Praise Him when your kids are. Being good. (laughs) Praise Him, Lord. But also go to Him when things aren't good. This is the awesome, beautiful thing about our Savior is that He is there in the crisis and in the calm. He's there this and that. The last thing is this before we wrap up here tonight. So we've got the, um, the church box, the convenience box, the crisis box. And these things are places that sometimes we'll put Jesus and only go to him when we require that particular situation. We'll only only follow Jesus outwardly when it's convenient for us. Like when the person says to us in our work, hmm, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) Ever had anyone just out of the blue say to you, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) That would be convenient. Jesus Christ, my Lord and (laughs) Saviour. That's convenient. But don't just pull them out in a convenient moment. Sorry, I just had to remember that part. That was good. The last box is this. Hey, that's right. The last box is, and this is the one I landed on because I wanted us to be reminded of this. Especially as we begin to move and make decisions as we come to the end of this year. We've still got a little bit of way to go. But as we begin to think about the future, think about and pray about God, what do you want to do through us? What do you want to do in this church? What do you want to do in this city? What do you want to do in this state? What do you want to do in this nation? When we begin to think about God, what could you do? Right. We've got to be careful not to put Jesus in to the conceivable box and say Jesus you'll only do things that I think you will do does that make sense the disciples who followed Jesus up the road, up the mountain they had no idea what was coming they had no picture they had no reference point to what God was going to do And I really feel like that's for someone right now. You've got no reference point to what God will do in your life. You won't be able to look to someone else's story or read a book or or listen to a testimony or something like that and think, God, you're going to do it like that because that's conceivable. I'm telling you tonight that God wants to do something that you, you haven't even seen, that your eyes haven't even seen. And we've got to be careful not to box Jesus into what we know. When we try and squeeze the God of the universe into our brain, that's not going to work. Because he's so much bigger than what we have ever imagined. Especially if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, we put Jesus because we've seen a lot. We've seen... Limbs get healed, we've seen broken bones fixed, we've seen cancer go, you've seen miracles, you've seen amazing things, unbelievable things. And that's awesome, we've got to praise God for that. But you've got to be careful not to limit God to that. Because then you begin to say, well I've seen it like this. I've seen Jesus feed the thousands, I've seen Jesus walk on the water. But they've never seen Jesus transfigured before. They, they, it was not even, it did, they didn't even see it coming. They didn't have Jesus stuck inside the conceivable box. We've just been through the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. This is such an awesome verse. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more yeah. than all we ask or imagine. Yeah. According to his power, that is his work, that is at work in us. Now, we've got to realize that God wants to do immeasurably more. Just think about that word, immeasurably. Immeasurably. It is unmeasurable. I don't know how else to describe that. that you cannot put a limit. You cannot define it. You cannot see it because it's going to be immeasurably more than what you can ask or imagine. That means whatever you're thinking he'll do, he's probably going to do something beyond that. So I don't know what you're believing for, for your life, for your family, for your workplace, for your mind, for your finances, for our church. But I want you to break the ruler. Throw out the books. Forget the testimonies of what's happened in the past. Forget all that. I'm doing a new thing because there's something immeasurably more coming. We serve a Jesus, we serve a God that ate with sinners and misfits, who called fishermen and tax collectors, who split seas and separated skies, who would do things that no one saw coming, who would work in the realm of impossibilities. We're going to be careful not to limit him to our conceivable thoughts. So don't ever dare to squish Jesus. Into what you can conceive as if we have to be able to understand or explain what he's going to do in order for it to be true. Don't think you have to be able to explain it or understand it in order for it to actually happen. God doesn't work like that. The Bible says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are beyond our comprehension. And we have to be okay with that. For me personally as a pastor, there is so much that I don't understand about God. There is so much I don't understand about what he wants to do and what he does do and how he works. But I don't want to presume I do. You'll notice our carpet is pretty shocking. Maybe one year we'll, we'll do like a, let's buy a new carpet together. But you'll notice in some spots the stream is coming up out of the carpet. What will happen if you pull that stream? It'll just keep coming right? It just, it looks like not a lot, but it'll just keep coming and coming and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And, pulling. and I feel like that was a picture to say, you just keep leaning into me. You just keep drawing from me. You think it's going to run out soon and you're going to get to the wall, but then I'm going to double back and I'm going to turn back this way and you're going to get to that wall. And to, is this it? And you, the more you pull, That's the true. more God will do. Yeah. The Bible talks about Elisha, I think it is, where he says, Take the arrows and strike the ground. And every time you struck, well, whenever you strike, I'm going to give you Aram, the country. And the Bible says that he took it and he stro- struck the ground just a few times. And then he said it was done. And the king said, why did you do it only a few times? So I think God said, why did you do it only a few times? If you had done it five or six times, if you had struck the ground five or six times, I would have given you this, but you just settled for this because you thought this was all you could handle. I want to take you beyond what you think. I want to expand your mind, expand your thinking. I've got more for you than just what you can see. Don't limit me by sticking me inside of a box of what you can conceive. Jesus can go beyond that. Why don't we stand in this place right now? I don't know, maybe you have subconsciously put Jesus into one of these boxes at some point. Maybe your relationship with, with him is limited to just a Sunday service or a moment, a week with him. I want to encourage you to take him out of that box. Destroy it, burn it, crush it. Maybe you're sort of at a place where you follow Jesus, but just because it's convenient because your friends are here. Right, maybe there's someone at church that you sort like, you know, maybe young people, but someone at church that you like, so it's convenient for you to be at church, right? To so, you know, hang out with this person. Jesus, God, church—it's convenient for you at this time in my life. Maybe that's not for everyone, or no one. I don't know anything. That <laughs> uh, makes it sound like I do. I don't. I just know young people. Anyway, um, maybe it's convenient for you. I want your relationship with him to go beyond convenience. And when things get hard, because it is, and it will out there, it's getting crazy out there, guys. I want to take Jesus out of that convenience box. Maybe he is, you're in crisis mode and you're just, you're here because life's just falling apart. And that's awesome. And God will honor that and He'll rescue you and He'll be there in the crisis. But don't forget, He's there in the calm as well. And this one is for everyone. Take God out of what you think, yeah. imagine, what you've seen before, what you've heard before. Because he wants to go beyond all of that. With every eye closed in here, I'm just going to take a moment here. Maybe the Holy Spirit's highlighting one of these boxes to you and saying, Jesus is whispering in your ear, hey, can you get, get me out? Get me, get me out of here. Come on, it's squishy in here. It's too small in here. I'm bigger than this. I've got more for you than this. I've got other things to show you. I've got other things to do with you. I am here in the crisis, but come on, I've got something for you in the car too. Believe for bigger things. Don't stick me in the convenience box or the conceivable box. I've got something more for you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart right now. In this moment, I want you to just, in your mind, visualize whatever box. Maybe you've got a few boxes up in your house. That's okay. But I want you to visualize getting that Stanley knife, ripping it open pulling that box out, destroying it and saying, Jesus, I want you everywhere. At all times, in all situations. I don't know what box it is. But all of us, at some point or another, we accidentally, you know that thing in your house, we're like, oh, I'll just put this over here in this box. Maybe you've accidentally done that, not meaning to, on tonight's your night to take Jesus out of the box unbox him Father God I pray that every person right now whose heart is turned towards this message, maybe you've highlighted something to them Father God I pray right now you would show them where they have put you, maybe accidentally right now God I thank you, you want to do more than we ask think or imagine, immeasurably more For each person here, I just pray you expand our thinking, expand our faith, expand our horizon, God, that we might see more, that we might believe for more, that we might not be limited by things we've seen in the past, but allow us to see you clearly and see you closely. We take you out of the box tonight and ask that you would do a miracle in our life and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen.